Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel, migraine strategist, founder of the Facebook group Migraine Nation, and chronic daily migraine survivor. I'm super excited to tell you that I am here today with Dr. Amelia Barrett. Dr. Barrett has not been on the podcast before. This is her first time, and she is super fun to talk to, and I think everyone's going to be excited to hear what she has to say. She is a board-certified neurologist and the creator of the Migraine Relief Code, which is an online course that talks about the holistic treatment of migraine. Hi, Dr. Barrett. How are you? Hi, I am fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. We have an awesome topic today. I think that our viewers and our listeners are going to love hearing about it. Today, we're going to talk about meditation, migraine, and neuroplasticity. Um, This is not something that we have discussed much uh, on previous episodes, so uh, I'm really excited to get going. So, Dr. Barrett, let's start by, can you explain to us what neuroplasticity means to you? Sure. And this is super interesting stuff because honestly, when I started my career as a migraine, we weren't really sure that this happened, but it just in, you know, the span of my career, it has become clear that it really does. It is essentially the process of learning. Mm -hmm. If you want to think about it that way. So for example, if you learn to play piano, there are changes that are happening in your brain as you learn structural changes, functional changes, changes in how your brain actually works. So that is essentially what we mean by neuroplasticity. Um, I think when we're using it in a scientific context, we are typically referring to things that aren't so much learning, but about changes that happen in your brain that we are trying to create consciously through things that we choose to do. Okay. Um, And what the research has shown over time is that those things literally do change the way your brain fires and the way your brain wires as a result of those things that you're doing. Okay. So how does this work with pain? Uh, what is, how does neuroplasticity play a role in pain itself? Do we learn pain? Do we learn to have pain every day instead of every once in a while? Uh, in the instance of chronic pain versus episodic pain? kind of, we kind of do learn, not intentionally, but our brains are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. All right. So your brain gets very good at doing over and over again, whatever it is that it is doing. So if it is making headaches every single day, all of those pathways in the brain get very revved up. They start to fire more, they wire more, and then pretty soon you are living in a brain that has the pattern of chronic pain. And you can actually see this on certain types of very specialized MRIs, functional MRIs, MRIs that can take very, very detailed pictures of the brain. You can see this process of chronification happen for people. Um, So in a sense, yes, (laughs) the, the brain does become accustomed to doing what it always does. And I mean, it's a very good organ. It tries to predict what you're going to need. And if it knows, okay, we're going to be making migraines, it gets really good at that. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it is very much the result of all of the experiences you have had so far. That's what pattern the brain is in right now. And that is plastic. That can change. That's not anybody's fault. It's just the state that it's in. And it's important to recognize where it's at and also that there are tools we can use to help it change. Right. Some of us 
are amazing at making migraine, it might be our best talent. So we want to learn how to undo that. Um, so how does this play a role in migraine? I mean, we talked about pain, but it, all, it, it plays a role in migraine. Our brain essentially just the same way that we just spoke about pain. It can learn to just keep creating migraine. It's almost like just the pattern it keeps doing correctly or correct. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, how does meditation work with neuroplasticity? How are they related? Well, this is really interesting stuff. So let's take one step back here. So what I want right. to talk about um, before we talk about how meditation works right. is a little bit about what's happening to your brain when you get to that chronic state. Mm -hmm. So there's an analogy that I like to use. So I want to explain that to you. So okay. imagine that your brain is a uh, symphony. Okay. Okay. And you've got a conductor, you've got the percussion section, the strings, the woodwind, you know, all that kind of stuff. You've got all the different sections and your brain works together like a symphony. All right. So let's imagine one other step that there's a part of your brain that's the conductor. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, and for those of you who are neuroscience geeks out there, I'm talking about the prefrontal cortex, the cingulate right. cortex, the insular cortex. So we're talking about those parts of the brain. Now let's imagine that there are other parts of your brain that deal with pain. And because I think this is an appropriate analogy, I like to call that the percussion section. Okay. <laughs> it just comes in really strong, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then we've got those parts of the brain that perceive pain. And then we've got parts of the brain that handle emotions, right? right. I like to call that the string section. Okay. <laughs> you know, think of that as all Perfect. parts of the brain that handle emotion. Right. Um, and then there are the parts of the brain that deal with our thoughts. Okay, weird thought to think of your brain thinking about itself thinking, but there are parts of the brain that deal specifically with thoughts. And for those of us who have handled chronic pain, I think we all intuitively know that it's all tied up together. So mm -hmm. for example, if you stub your toe when you're having a really bad day, it's horrible. It's the worst pain ever, <laughs> right? You know, but if yes. you stub your toe on a day when everything's good, you know, you're like, ah, oh, that sucks. All right. I'm going to ice it for a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So we all have that intuitive experience of knowing that all of this stuff comes together to, to influence how we perceive pain. What mm -hmm. we find over time, which is super fascinating. We put a lot of people into functional MRI machines to figure out what's happening in their brain when they're having that chronic pain every day or almost every day. And what we see is that the conductor parts of the brain have gone quiet. Okay. Not firing as much. They literally shrink on MRI. Those mm -hmm. parts of the brain become downregulated. And what we see is that the pain segments, of course, are massively <laughs> bigger, firing, getting thicker. Nice. Um, the emotional centers also becoming a lot more fired up. And right. the intellectual centers kind of shut down which resonates for me as somebody who had chronic migraines for a long time. Like I can't think straight when I get mm -hmm. into that space. And I remember lots of years of my life, especially back in school when, um, you know, I, I, like I would like show up to a lecture and it'd be like, I'll learn it later. <laughs> I, yeah. I was the, I took notes constantly notes, yeah. notes, notes, and I'll, I'll come back and figure this out later. Right. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Exactly. 
So there are anatomic correlates to all these things that we intuitively know happen when we get into that space of chronic migraine. Um, and the fascinating thing that has happened is that we have also done a lot of studies on what's happening in people's brains when they're meditating. And I know that the word meditating can be somewhat off-putting for a lot of people, but I like to think of it more as brain exercises because right. that's what you're really doing. You're kind of working out different parts of your brain, okay? Mm -hmm. It's just not, you know, this kind of thing. It's, it's uh, more cerebral. Mm -hmm. So what we see when we put meditators into the same kinds of machines that we've used to figure out what's going on in people with chronic pain is that it is rebuilding the parts of the brain that have become abnormal as a byproduct of chronic pain. So specifically, the conductor parts of the brain. Yes. Uh, prefrontal cortex, cingulateris, right. and um, um, insular cortex all get bigger. So we need to get our conductor back. We need to get our conductor back. I like to, yes. yes. Exactly. Yes. As the conductor starts to come back, the conductor says, okay, percussion, tone it down, tone it down, because all these parts of the brain are connected, right? right? So if part of the brain starts doing one thing with the conductor, the conductor will automatically kind of tone down the percussion, kind of tone down the violin strings right. of emotion, you know, and thinking centers start to come back online. So right. I think that it's absolutely fascinating that we have some degree of voluntary control over this process, not as a blaming thing, like why did it happen in the first place, but as an empowerment, like we can do things consciously to make this better and to reverse the changes that have happened in our brain through the process of chronification of migraine. Yes. So, yeah, I love I, that analogy. And I also love that you threw out there that it's not like it's our fault that we got there because I know you've heard me say this before. So many people are made to feel like it's our fault that we got here when it's not, right? Exactly. Um, there's over 44 genes that contribute to migraine. Uh, where you are is not your fault, but you sort of have to become a superhero at these things we're talking about to get out of where you are. So, uh, so when blaming yourself is not going to help. So I love this analogy. I love that we can use neuroplasticity. We can use things like meditation to get our conductor back. How does this uh, relate to anxiety? So anxiety is part of this overfiring of the emotional centers, okay. right? That, that is a very normal part of the chronification of pain. Right. Um, and so, you know, deep structures in our brain, like the amygdala, are responsible for some of those basic emotional uh, signals. And then there's higher level processing of all that. And that is part of what becomes dysregulated in the chronic migraine um, scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and it is part of what comes back into balance when you get those conductor centers of the brain firing again. Okay. So I love, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a very normal part of the process. Right. And I, I also love, you know, if you have never experienced any depression or anxiety and you've had chronic migraine for years, you would be a superhero, right? right. I mean, it's only normal to not feel emotionally your best if you're constantly experiencing migraine pain and all of its associated symptoms. So I love that you're bringing up MRI data because so many of us have this really strong intellectual side to our brain that's like, why would me 
sitting here doing nothing, which is what meditation looks like to many people who have not maybe yet experienced it or um, really, really delved into it, um, help me because I can tell you that, you know, I had chronic daily migraine forever and many of my first attempts, and I want to encourage people who might be having trouble at meditation frustrated the heck out of me because I was in so much pain. So just sitting there with my pain really made me feel worse. Um, so I like to always tell people to wait maybe till you're feeling better to start to learn like one of your better days to start to learn meditation. Do you, how do you feel about that particular idea? When do you tell people to start? Yeah, absolutely. I think it does make sense to try to develop new habits when you're feeling pretty good already. Right. Um, and I would also say starting with sitting meditation is just hard. Yep. It is um, not intuitive to the American mind. <laughs> right. Um, so I think there are a variety of other ways you can sort of dip your toes in that and still get all the same benefits without uh, kind of diving into the deep end, so to speak, which is how I view sitting meditation. It's really hard. <laughs> right. I And I was having so much trouble. My breakthrough came when someone, um, actually someone in the migraine community, uh, told me to try walking meditation. And I was like, oh, sure. And then I was like, oh, now I feel like I can sit. And all of a sudden, I it was a breakthrough for me. So maybe that's something some people can try, especially people who don't get much of a pain holiday for them to learn meditation. So I, I wanted to sort of throw that out there. Um, so let's move on to, are there any specific types of meditation other than maybe a moving meditation, et cetera, that you pe feel people should start with when they have migraine? I do. I really like using guided meditations. Okay. And there are tons of these out there. Um, there are whole apps devoted to guided meditations like Insight Timer has tons and tons of free app, uh, free meditations. Um, and, uh, lots of, lots of people have guided meditations out there. And what I mean by that word is it's maybe 20, 30 minutes of somebody talking to you right? and maybe saying to calm your body down, or maybe taking you a place in your mind, or maybe, um, you know, just walking you through an experience, maybe bringing your attention to neutral observation of your body. Um, this is a type of meditation that we call open monitoring, mm -hmm. uh, basically where you're, you're not so much trying to do something like focus on your breath, but you are more just being. And the important thing that's happening here from an anatomic perspective in the brain is that you are shutting down parts of the brain called the default mode network. That is mind wandering. That's mm -hmm. all that word means. Whole bunch of structures in your brain spend all their time making your mind wander. Yes. Thanks, guys. So we could do without you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how we're wired. Um, and so a number of beautiful things happen when you start to shut those centers down. So for many of us, those mind wandering thoughts are anxiety provoking. It's mm -hmm. your to do list. It's oh, I sent that email and somebody hasn't replied yet. What did I say wrong? You know, it's all these thoughts that give you little micro bursts of adrenaline and cortisol throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Not so good. It's good to shut that whole thing down for a period of time. Let your kidneys clear all those stress chemicals. And it's kind of a nice reset for your body. So guided meditations do that, which I think is 
helpful for migraine patients to get that break from all those stress chemicals in the day. It is also activating all these centers that are helpful with um, bringing your conductor back online. So it's kind of a twofold benefit if mm-hmm. you do that um, guided meditation sort of thing. And it's right. quite easy. All you have to do is lie down and turn something on your phone. Right. So I don't think that's a great way for people to start mm-hmm. to get these benefits. Mm-hmm. And I always like to tell people and tell me if you agree, if you don't notice a difference right away, it's okay. I at first was like, I, whatever, it's not, I don't. And my whole world is different. Um, after, I, I, but I just kept doing it every morning mostly because I was really noticing that I was like, okay, my pain's so much better, but my brain is going berserk almost because I was someone that had daily migraine from my earliest memory. And I think when my pain got abruptly better, my brain was still going berserk. And I was like, I need to do something about this. And so I, I kept at it and kept at it. And now I can't believe the difference meditation makes for me, but I was someone who had to really work at it. And And so I can understand if there's people out there that are having a hard time and I I just kept trying different guided. I was like, okay, that one, I wasn't great. Let's try another one. I just kept trying different ones and different ones until all of a sudden I I had a breakthrough. So, um, is there, is there, can you talk really quick? There is data that shows that migraine can improve with meditation. Is there not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the mechanism. It's through bringing these, higher processing centers back online to help regulate everything else that's happening in the brain. Okay. I just wanted to throw out there that, yes, yeah, that there is in fact data now that, that this does work. Is there anything you'd like to add uh, about neuroplasticity, migraine and meditation before we go today? Um, do you want to see a picture? Of <laughs> yes. Are you a functional MRI image? Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is from an article, which was a meta-analysis. So they looked at about a hundred different studies of what meditation does to the brain. And I want to point out a couple of areas of interest here. So remember when I was talking about the um, percussion section of the brain, Mm -hmm. this is it right here. This is the thalamus. And that is where all of our like raw sensory signals come into the brain and get processed before they're sent to other areas of the brain. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're seeing here is these, these blue dots here. That yeah. means that this part of the brain is decreasing its firing. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, by, by, doing, uh, by doing what this person is doing. And then the second thing that is happening here is we're seeing a red spot. Red spots mean this is getting more active, okay? Mm-hmm. This part of the brain right here is called the insula. And this is part of one of the conductor parts of the brain. The other parts are uh, kind of along in here and up in here. So we're seeing that those parts of the brain are firing up and the parts of the brain that reduce the pure pain signals are are going down. So it's almost like you're letting in fewer pain signals and the ones that do get through and project up here to be processed, they're being better managed. So these are the pathways that fire when people are having migraines. That's right here. Mm-hmm. So we know that this process is going to reverse the typical pattern. The typical pattern we'll see in migraine is that these pain centers will light up really big 
And then the processing centers kind of shut down because the processing is the conductor. Mm -hmm. So that part's kind of getting shut off. So you can see it right there. Um, this is an image of a person who is in um, a functional MRI scanner right. and are doing this type of meditation called open monitoring. Although we see this with every single type of meditation, um, all the different types of meditation that have been studied, we see this same pattern of activation in the insula. So it almost doesn't matter what type of meditation you do, it is still going to help um, because it's going to light up those uh, centers in the brain. Okay, that's awesome. And we love seeing data in pictures because I think that a lot of us, when it gets challenging, maybe if we're having a hard time sitting and meditate, meditating, we really need to prove to ourselves that we're doing it for a reason. Yes, exactly. And, and that's why I think that, you know, holistic medicine is so important because there's so much of this information that's out there, but mm -hmm. this is buried in a medical journal, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of stumbled across this on a flight across the Atlantic. I was on my way to a medical meeting in Paris and I ran across this article completely by accident. I'm like downloading it in the mm -hmm. middle of the night on this flight. So that it was so fascinating, but right. you know, this isn't the kind of thing you run into on the evening news. Pharma's not going to tell you this. Device manufacturers are not going to tell you this. So I just think that, you know, there's a lot to be said for all of the science that is out there. It's just harder to access, but it's here. Right. All right. Well, that is super exciting. And thank you so much. This topic was amazing. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And thank you, Dr. Barrett, for being with us. And thank you everyone for joining us this week. And please join us again next week on Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache.